Welcome down to Paddy Talks Golf presented as ever by Seagolf Balls. That's www.seagolf.com dash dot dash dot dash dot com. And if you were brought up in the 90s, you'll understand that music. Um, yeah, we, we had a great Christmas. We, we ran the Raptor series. Really, really happy with how that turned out. And we had the founder, CEO, genius in residence at Seagolf, Dean Clatt, on and told us all about the new products coming in February time GA general availability of those seed golf bags is coming and I can't wait um, to get my hands on the on the little um, the range bag is that what you call it the shag bag um, yeah to bring your 30 or 40 golf balls and hit them hit them down a field or down a beach or maybe bring some couple cold ones with you for a picnic it's gonna be good for that too another person are people that help this podcast along are the glorious folks at Drew's Golf. Um, the Climate 2 jacket got me through 2021, and the Climate 2 jacket will no doubt get me through 2022. They have grown exponentially. They now employ over 20 people. Uh, they're spread across the UK and Ireland, and they're going for growth. They're going to expand into other markets, and we all, we've all been here helping them on that journey uh, but today you press play to listen to the story with Paul Vaughan and that's from my trip up north uh, and across Donegal back in August yeah these have been in the tank with a while back in August uh, we travelled up we did our glass County Down Port Rush Port Stewart Castle Rock and the Ballyliffins and uh, so yeah first stop was in awesome Ard glass with Paul Vaughan who's been there Oh, since his early days and turned pro there um, and has now moved up the ranks and is director of golf at our class and no doubt he's doing fantastic things to get more footfall in that part of the country from afar. So yeah, what a glorious chat. They're really, really, really accommodating in our glass, have to say. Possibly one of the best bacon sauce sandwiches I've ever had in my life. So yeah, if you don't go for the golf, go for the bacon sandwiches. Um, yeah, truly awesome. The course is going through some great changes with my friend Ken Carney. So yeah, only going to get better. Only going to get better. So if you haven't been to our glass, make it this year, 2022. Put it on your hit list. Put it on your goals of the top 10 courses that you want to go see. Well, without any further ado, you press play to listen to Paul, not to me. So yeah, roll it. There's Colette. Pretty much see it on 
every one of our posts from there on in and we get plenty of people talking about it so it was definitely a hashtag that, that continued 100 paul what is your earliest memory of golf yeah well i'm i, I grew up here um on golf in terms of in our glass as a boy and um, i'm from a little village called Kalog, which is just a couple of miles away so my none of my parents played golf an uncle played golf and my older brother played golf so a slight break in between where i worked at heaven with like everybody else one or two clubs um keen to join the golf club but wasn't able to join until i was 10 was able to join and um i've been here ever since with the golf club called St. patrick which are st patrick's which is just six miles here from our glass okay born and raised so pretty much pretty much yep i'm indeed part of the furniture now <laughs> so we turn to, and was it was it always golf or was there any other competing sports as you grew up well you only have to look at me to realize that it's, it wasn't that physical <laughs> um, <laughs> um so very much i was thinking rugby I, like i was thinking rugby you know <laughs> Yeah, I know you were. Um, a sport that I actually never played. But no, I, I really enjoyed my football. I enjoyed my, my Gaelic and stuff like that. Actually, one sport I keep telling people, which I never tried, which I wish I had, was hurling. But um, I never got a chance to do that. But yeah, I was a keen, keen soccer player and keen Gaelic player until probably late teens. And then golf sort of took away and I wanted to work and play golf and have a few pounds in my pocket and get on that. And then I turned, turned pro pretty young, actually. Um, started my training in, in Down Paddock, as I said there, and then I came back to our glass in 2006 and finished finished my training here after qualifying in 2009 then, and I got the head pro job here in 2011. It's funny, so it was 10 years there recently. What was the Down Patrick, what was the sojourn, the, the Erasmus time in, in Down Patrick about? So that was good. What, what was the compelling event to like to take off as a career? Did, was there, was it, you were low enough, you were like, that was just a natural progression into... The, yeah, the it, was a, it, was a, it was a natural thing. I mean, I, I find myself, you know, you speak to young guys, young juveniles, young juniors about here now, you know, what are you going to do when you go up? And they don't really have a clue. They don't really know what they want to do. Um, and I think back, did anybody ever ask me that? And I don't ever remember if they did, and I don't remember if the answer that I give them. But I knew myself that I loved the idea of being a club professional. Um, I loved all the, the different duties. You know, you could be retailing one minute, coaching the next, involved in club business or club repairs or then golf in the next. So I liked the mixture of the of the whole thing. If I wasn't if I wasn't in school, I was at the golf club. So very much it was it was there and it was in my DNA. And and I knew even if I didn't tell anybody. I knew in my mindset that I wanted to be a club pro. Um, so after finishing school, um, I went to the East Down Institute in Downpatrick and I, I done a course in there in travel and tourism. Um, but I remember distinctly from them days that I, I played golf every single day, at least nine holes every single day. So I loved the game. Um, and I just, I just knew where I wanted to go, even though I probably didn't tell anybody. If you ask me, when I was like 10, 11, 12, I would have said um, professional Gaelic footballer. So that's still not a thing. <laughs> yeah. That's still not a thing. And then golf came on the radar and I was just big into like how stuff worked. So I wanted to go design golf clubs for a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I always loved the game and I'm kind of thinking about it now. Like when I go do like a GCMA or the handicap's kind of within the bracket to, to do the PGA. So we'll see. Yeah. With the, thanks to WHS. <laughs> not thanks to me. Not thanks to me. Uh, you never know. Not thanks you never to me know. getting any better. So you never know. Maybe the... You never know. The, the retirement plan is to do me PGA, maybe. Uh, don't tell the wife, because... Um, yeah, I would I would <laughs> never um, discourage anybody to do that, for sure. I knew, I knew very early. I remember going to um, the Belfry, where you go to at the start of your, your PGA training, and you do a, yeah. a review program, and they basically give you everything 
going to happen over the next few days, over the next three or four years. They pack that into like two days, and I think I think the idea of it is to say, well, this is what's going to be expected of you. Are you on board or are you not? And I love the love the fact that it was a whole mixture of different stuff. What one thing I do remember is being there is how many people said they were going to be a tour pro. Um, and the thing that always struck me was you, you had you had a bit of time that evening and you you had your clubs with you and you went down to the range and you seen some of these guys hit the balls and I was thinking, he's going to be a tour pro then. Maybe I could. But, <laughs> but I knew I knew very quickly I wasn't. like I was a decent driver of the ball. I was never a great iron player. I might have hit plenty of greens but never got them close to the flag. And I, I had a really good short game. I was a good pitcher, a good putter. But I always say I was a good pitcher and a good putter because I always I was always under pressure because I missed that many greens. <laughs> um, so I knew I knew I was a handy golfer, a decent golfer, but I knew I was never good enough to be a player. And I suppose that gave me a lot of my thoughts as to where I was going to go. I was definitely going to be in the golf industry and I love the idea of being a, a club professional with all the different duties so that's I was always quite clear I knew I wanted to do that without telling anybody so I spoke with um, Gareth and Betty Liffin and he sees being the, the head pro anyway as being much more than a, the name over the door or in the front window and that it's there very much from um, especially in courses like, like our glass and along the north coast and it can not only promote to the members for engagement but also for football and for tours so how do you see your role now as like the, the head guy the main guy in our glass and there in the pro shop yeah it's I mean it's very different from the day that I that I became the head pro here it was about retailing and coaching and membership services and how you can pr- improve those from a from a professional point of view I spend most of my week now um, very much office based with little teaching and little time uh, in the retail side of things um, and I think a lot of the, the PGA professionals in, in roles like myself have developed into those things and it's not necessarily for the want of it but it's, for, it's very much how society has has let it become um, I do I do think the PGA Pro still has a huge role to play in, in any golf club I think um, the pro shop should, should be and will remain the hub of any golf club um, I think you'll if you go into any golf club that doesn't have a pro shop, you know, it's definitely not the same atmosphere as you have in a club that, that does. I mean, I know the pro shop here is very much the hub. It's the first place you come to. It's the first person you speak to whenever you arrive, whether you're a member or your visitor. So um, I miss that side of it. I miss being in front of people. I don't really enjoy being in the back office all that much. Um, but the difference between the day that I started and, and to where I am now is very different. and you have to adjust to, to what you have. I mean, there's a huge part of my role is is constantly working with the international market as in tour operators. Our glass profile over the years has, has very much grown from a visitor point of view. And a lot of that is, is our contact and our relationships with tour operators. And I've developed a lot of those relationships over the last number of years. And a lot of that becomes people to people. Um, so that's a huge part of my role, which I never, never envisaged whenever I first started the role. So it changes all the time, but I like that. Um, you know, in 2016, then I, I had a chance to sort of duel my role alongside the pro as in a director of golf side of things, which very much became official about, you know, the marketing side of things, attending tourism shows, traveling to America, um, meeting tour operators, meeting them in their offices and telling them about all things our glass, whether it was a, a new operator or a current operator that we worked with, about changes we're making, about upcoming things that are going to happen and just generally try and improve those 
relationships, and out of that, you know, I've, I've I've been able to meet a lot of a lot of new people, which we we do business with now. We strengthen business with, and, and I've also got a chance to meet some high profile people who, who have been to our glass, loved our glass, and very much look at look at them as influencers on this side of the business. And you know, they've come here, they've had a good experience, and and they tell everybody else about it as well. So my role has has very much changed in in ten years. Um, from head pro to head pro director of golf and, you know, very much into the general manager side of things um, on a more regular basis, which you know, I wouldn't necessarily say that I enjoy that side of it, but it's a, definitely a big part of my role. What would you say is the main difference then between head pro and director of golf? Definitely it's a lot more administrative base, um, a lot more crossing T's and dotting I's compared to, you know, retailing and coaching and being in front people you're in the back office compared to being out front and speaking with people which um, can be twofold you know I think as director of golf you need to be in front of people um, whereas being head pro you are in front of people all yeah. the time that's, that's where your role is okay you mentioned um, some key people that when they come visit they shot it from the rooftops now one of yeah. those people you met wasn't on one of the times you were at a show or a trade show or maybe over in Florida at that at the, at the PGA show, but it was actually when the was it the Irish Open was that? Yes, yes, um, Rich Beam. Rich Beam, that was it. Yeah. I knew there was a Beam. I can never remember Beamer's first name. <laughs> 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 so what happened there? Because he's he still mentions it to this day on Sky Sports. Yeah, Anytime no, he mentions no. it, 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 it hits home. Yeah, he's um, that was back in 2015. The Irish Open was at. We're all County Down, and Beamer happened to uh, send a tweet out that he was looking for a game in the area, and um, it was a member of ours that sort of answered the tweet and tagged tagged the golf club in it. Um, I, I remember called Ronan Hayes, and very thankful for him for doing it to this day, because Beamer has become a, a great friend of the golf club and also a great personal friend of mine, and he has been on unbelievable for us, very much influencing people here, but he does it because... He came here, he played golf, he enjoyed the experience, and every year, that was 2015, and every year since he's come back, and he's also uh, a member with us now, so um, he just sort of fell in love with the place whenever he arrived, and, and we've con- continuously kept in touch, and I've been out to his home in, in Austin, Texas, and we played a bit of golf there, and we try and catch up as much as we can. It's been a little bit different during these COVID times, because he hasn't been in, in Europe the same amount of times as he normally is, and obviously wasn't here for the Irish Open but definitely something we'll, we'll put right again next year and like I can um, identify with the experience um, having gone up and seen the hashtag and gone with a certain expectation and by God the expectation was fulfilled more not only by the golf course but from the people involved around us from, from yourself from Flynn from the pros inside in the shop and laid back or professional when engaged do you know what I mean which was thoroughly refreshing do you know what I mean compared to yeah. you know that that um stereotype that some some golf clubs on, on yeah. some rotors will get oh I, I need to be wearing the right thing and I need to act in a certain way which has its place in certain yeah. places right but yeah. it was just really refreshing to, to rock up and just be at ease and was was, was put at ease or was <laughs> you know it was yeah. just relaxing to be there you know under no pressure no it's very it's very much what we what we tend to practice I mean I say this to a lot of people that the friendliness uh, comes easy easy to us here in our glass the members are very proud of their golf course. Um, if you come into the car park and you're getting your clubs out or an American taking their clubs out of us, the members are keen to interact and talk. That becomes very natural. 
And I suppose that's a, a big difference from a staff point of view. That's where I feel a big difference between head pro and director of golf. Um, I'm much more responsible for many more staff where director of golf is concerned, and I've got much more of a hand in that. I like to encourage the staff to just the way you described her, you don't know what customer you're getting. Everybody has a different personality and everybody likes to be treated in a different way. But the thing that we keep consistent is the friendliness and you need to adjust to the customer and how they how they behave in other ways. And, and I find that our staff are very good at that. Oh, they were exceptional uh, without being, you know, in, in your face about it either. You know, so just yeah. like the, the yeah. perfect amount. Cormac Sharbin. Yes. I, so going back to like American ties again, Karma came up on my radar because I'm a big Link Soul fan, right? Big Link Soul fan. And then I thought, oh, there's this Irish lad, like sponsored by Link Soul. Where's he from? Our glass. And then, like, I've met him a couple of times, luckily enough, and we're trying to arrange one of these chats with him soon. The man has a plan. And I just love the way he carries himself, goes about his business, focused. And then to describe him would be also a good way to describe our glass, I think, in terms of, like, afterwards, Cormac was back from traveling, like, extensively. I was just in the corner of the pro shop have, having the chats, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Which I yeah. thought was, you know, again, incredibly refreshing. Were you there as he grew up, I suppose? Yep. So, like, if, if you think back, like, Cormac, Cormac is only playing golf um, a short period of time. He took up golf when he was... 15? Well, it's a long. He was 15. Um, I still think as Cormac as a, as a kid, but when you think about his age now, he's, he's 28 now. So he took golf up pretty late. Um, and the thing about Cormac was that he, he was a very good sportsman, uh, no matter what what he done, and he was always pretty dedicated to what to what he turned his hand to, and he was naturally a very good golfer. Like a lot, of, a lot of the juniors that we had here, and I say this a lot. I mean, juniors when you get them at the right age and they're just starting. Um, I don't call it coaching, but um, I call it you know just guiding them and not letting them get into bad habits. You know, and if you can keep all those simple things right where coaching is concerned at a very young age, then they'll carry those things into no matter how far they go in golf. But Cormac's ex- uh, exactly what you see is what you get. Very relaxed, um, but very determined at the same time. And uh, his career has been has been always been slightly progressive year on year. You know, at the Walker Cup, and then he stepped into professional ranks, and he's done better each and every year. He's um, as we sit here now, he's struggling slightly and has for the last few weeks. But I know. I know Cormac's determination and I know his, his work ethic and I know he'll, he'll he'll dig deep and he'll come out the other side of this. A, a good kid all around. There's, there's one guy I, I see and keep track of and pull for each week. It's, it's Mr. Sharvin. So playing in, is it Rome this week or British Challenge this week? I think it's Rome. He's in Rome. He's, he's in, in Rome. Rome yeah. yeah, he's in Rome. Today. So this is this will be out of date information by the time this podcast goes out. So, oh, oh. <laughs> Deadly, but 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 it just speaks volumes for you know from where he's from as well. You know that yeah. not that no, it's there's, there's personified no him, but he he's like a, a walk and walk in our glass. You know what you see is what you get. Relaxed, composed, focused. You know can see the strategy there. So coming back to our glass, what what do you, what is the vision for our glass? And I know we're doing a bit of work with Mr. Carney as well. Yeah, yeah. So you would um, as we were walking around. I remember we were we're talking a lot about um, the course development, and and every time we mention course development, up comes the name of of Ken Kearney and his design. Um, Ken came in in 2016 after we had went out to look for a course architect, and he put a five year plan together, which realistically was always going to be you know longer than that, you know seven to ten years. Um, and COVID has probably delayed that a little bit more, but. Up until pre-COVID times, we had very much got through half of half of the course development, which so far has consisted very much of bunker remodeling. Um, about nine holes now, we've we've done loads of new bunkers, which I would have pointed out to you in that new revetted link style. 
have totally yeah. left some of them holes. Now, some of those are new bunkers. Some of those are bunkers that have replaced bunkers that were, were already there. And, and then leading into 2020, um, we had been having conversations at committee level and, and approved a new first green. We had approved a new fifth green. And potentially, I think that was going to start on October 2020. Uh, definitely the first green anyway, followed by the fifth green. And unfortunately, COVID hit us and a lot of those um, plans that had heavy financial monies against them have been shelved and will be pushed down the line a bit. But we are definitely keen to continue that. We will continue that. You know, new green complexes, new tea boxes, finishing the bunkers. Um, and then there's different bits and pieces of, of shrubbery and stuff that needs to be removed. Um, but can't wait to get stuck back into the, the development plan. There's there's other type dreams on it too, of like a nine-hole academy course, you know, where I was showing you the we have the practice ground and stuff yeah. like that but I mean it's, it's all it's been all been very positive among the members and the good thing is that any of those big changes that we make um, will go to the members and ultimately the members will make the decision so that it's, it's what they want but the future looks bright on the, the development side of things which then helps everything else you know it's easy to to keep marketing um, yeah I was going to ask along with so that, I was so. going to
gate up past little turret there and you can see across 18th onto the onto the ocean there but um yeah but like once you come in that gate that side gate or, or the front door of the pro shop everyone is on that same hymn sheet in our class which is fantastic yeah and that's that's very much um as simple as we keep it you know we see the car coming through the gate we see the bus coming through the gate and from the moment that person comes in there to the moment they go back out through that gate we have to make sure that every box is ticked in order for them to to enjoy their day and that goes from the experience we we, we provide in the pro shop the experience that the caddy gives the experience that the golf course gives and then the experience that the 19th hole gives as well whether it be a pound of guinness or a bowl of chowder if that if that guinness isn't good or that chowder isn't good it can destroy the whole day so everybody has to be in top tip form all the time i tell you something the bacon sandwiches we have are
this time next year. Yeah, it would be nice to, you know, have that solid membership base that we've had, which I am very comfortable we will, keep improving those those things for the for the members and improving that service. And if we can get our visitor numbers um, back to normal, that would be great. If we can even top that up a bit without, you know, affecting members tea times, that would be that would be a, a year pretty complete for, for us here at our glass and for me personally as well. So that would be nice. It would be nice to be organising in October 22, heading to the PGA show in January 23 and just just some sort of normality and some some pictures and videos from development that we'll be doing on the golf course and, and just normality is, is the word that I could describe it as. Yeah, that, that's nice and simple. Absolutely. Um, out of the blue now. So I didn't play it. I'm keeping it as a reason to go back and barely lifting the pollen links, the, the nine hole par three there. Yeah. So given it's in the strategic plan, or, or hopefully I might be added to it yeah, for, yeah. for yourselves, what would you call it? Paddy Liffin called there the pollen the pollen links. What would you call yours? You might have to go to committee now, but oh, <laughs> out yeah, of the blue, what would you like to call it? That's interesting. Um, that is not something I have thought about at all. Um, Flint's Corner, maybe. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I, I don't know. I feel like... I feel like it's, I don't know, I'm stuck between whether it should be a nine hole par three or whether it should be a nine hole course if we had the room or, and then yeah, like I drift back the to the words. Castle Rock, is it the band they call it? They have a nine hole. Yeah, I drift back course. towards development and academy. Mm. And I mean, if, if there was a nine hole par three up there, I mean, I just think what it would do for the golf club and the growing of the game and the community and the membership development for this area would just be phenomenal. So I can't, I, I leave that one with you. Yeah, I leave that one with you. You'll kill me now for not saying, but is it the 12th hole, the 11th hole or 12th hole, the par 5? Par 5, yeah, 11th, yeah. I did okay, but um, young Flynn now, we have to we have to spend at least 30 seconds on young Flynn and, uh, and his achievement particular hole and I asked him during the day because there's you know you've, you've a great relationship and I was like are you related or is he your coach or whatever so like it's just fantastic to see someone that's so invested in like the junior section because I'm sure it's not just Flynn get that get that treatment and uh, he achieved something that day I believe for the first time yeah yeah he's a Flynn's a great young kid he's just turned 16 um, his golf development as you can see um, he's starting to actually do a few hours for in the pro shop and he's been hanging about the pro shop um, and he's been learning the ropes for for a few years, albeit he's only sixteen. But yes, sixteen he, going on thirty six. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you said it. I'm thinking it. You said it. Um, yeah, so good kid, and you and you seen that day. He had a he had a great tee shot down, and he had um, a lovely iron shot into to the green. As you did yourself, you had a long tee shot. When we asked Flynn, because I didn't copy, he said, "Oh, where'd you go?" And he goes, "Like typical, typical." Now this is standard dark glass carry on. I think he said, "I was up around the green somewhere." capture some of that that's right um, not to get away from your 300 yard my lag there, my lag my good. lag but my lag but, that was, that was <laughs> but you would take that you would take that four down there anyway yeah but no Flynn Flynn's a good a good a good boy and um, I'm happy to happy to see his development and look forward to seeing how his golf develops as well he won his match that afternoon is that? I did check <laughs> he did indeed I don't he know if he indeed. used the yeah. The, the Paddy Tarks golf golf ball gave him. Now, maybe he did. If he did, hopefully he held on to it. He would be, you know, he tries to play things pretty cool, um, as as you know. And he won his match that day, so he's into the final off the. Oh, deadly. 
Category 1 match play, which he hasn't played yet, but um, I'll make sure you know how that goes. Absolutely. Thank you very much for your time. We ain't finished yet. The, the hardest questions are about to start, Paul, right? So are you yeah. ready for your quickfire Q&A? I'm ready. What would your walk-on song be? Walk-on song? Oh, it's like one of the ones out of the Rocky, Rocky movies, like I Have the Tiger or something. That's, that's the same as Bert. There we go. Oh, was it? Yeah, Rocky Balboa, he <laughs> said. So I'll have to pick a different one for each email. I'll pick a different one. We I'll give okay. you something out of Rocky too. Jim or pizza? Well, what do you think? I think... <laughs> I Jim think it's <laughs> Jim. <laughs> hat, <Pizza. laughs> hat, visor, or bucket hat? Hat. Happy Gilmore or Tim Cup? Happy Gilmore. Lehinch or Port Marin? Lehinch, I have to say that. Amen. Walk or cart? Uh, cart. Win the Open or win the Masters? The Open. Instagram or Twitter? Twitter. You're a fan of both? I am a fan of both, but mm-hmm. Twitter was first. <laughs> <laughs> be first or be best, and then it's play or practice is the last one. Play. You might know the next question. Because I think you've listened to the odd episode. So we'll pretend we're after a day. We'll, we'll say we're after the PGA show. You're just home. You've after taken. You've booked out the, the next two years of bookings and air glasses done. And members are still sorted. But, but you're planning dinner. And you can have whoever you want at the, at the dinner. Six people. You're at the top of the table. Three people down each side. Who is that? Paul Vaughan's candlelit dinner. From a, from a golf point of view. Any point of view. They can be real. They can be imaginary. They can be dead. Celebrity, golfer, sports person, fictional. Anyone at all. Okay, so golf. Let's go golf. It would have to be Tiger, Arnie, Jack. Um, it would have to go different. It could be anybody or something. Um, Sir Alex Ferguson. That's a good fourth. He's not been at many tables. That's a great show. Um, Roy King. They might get ram round the same table. <laughs> they can get opposite, opposite sides of the table. One more. One more. I'm struggling now. Maybe Sharvin. What's of Sharvin in the end there, maybe? No, because they'd have to pay for the name. <laughs> um, all right, we'll throw him in there. We'll throw him in. Throw him in there, and he he can he might have to shorten the rider for his attendance. Yes. <laughs> well, Paul, thank you very much. It has been uh, insightful as ever, and I can't wait uh, to get back up to our class. But you might you might come down for a return trip first. Don't worry. Definitely, Paul. definitely, I'd love to come down. Sure. Take it easy, my friend. No worries, Paddy. Thanks very much. That was Paul Vaughan of awesome art glass and yeah as you can see really really accommodating i have a massive appreciation for what he's done in art glass and bring it up to the pulpit bring it raising the bar for how golf uh, should be seen in the community involving the community involving juniors involving the wider the, the wider community just bring them in open the gates open the doors and also uh, building that brand and building it globally and, and showing the world what there is to see in that awesome part of the country so yeah if you're looking forward to the next episode, it's with Bert, Bert and Castle Rock, and that's next week. We won't do any more faffing around at the end of the episode. You're probably like, will this fella ever shut up? I need to go in home after me walk. Um, I'm running out of beach here. But um, yeah, absolute pleasure um, to speak with Paul. Thank you all for pressing play, as ever, each week here on the Paddy Talks Golf Podcast. Thanks for all your support. Check out paddytalksgolf.com for more. Newsletter up there, we call it the timesheet. Monthly giveaways and all that jazz. All will continue throughout 2022 so yeah thanks for playing thanks for pressing play tell a friend and uh, yeah until we teed up again soon i'm paddy